We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. On Thursday the 12th of December 2019 in Austin, Texas, 33-year-old mother of two, Heidi Broussard, woke up in the apartment she shared with her fiancé, Shane Carey, and her two children, her newly born daughter and her six-year-old son. Heidi began to get the children ready for the day, as her fiancé Shane awoke and got ready to go to work. Shane left for work at a moving company in North Austin at about 6.30am that morning. Heidi had been working at Cracker Barrel in Buda, Texas since 2015, though she had been put on maternity leave following the birth of the couple's newborn child. And that morning, there had been a book fair taking place at a six-year-old child's school. So Heidi, the newborn child, and the six-year-old child went to Cohen Elementary School to check it out. Though Heidi hadn't stayed too long at the book fair, leaving with her baby at about 8.12pm after dropping her six-year-old off for the school day. At approximately 8.30am, Shane phoned up Heidi for a quick chat in which Heidi confirmed to him that she dropped their six-year-old off at school. Shane wouldn't call Heidi again that day while he was at work until he was finished, which was at approximately 1.50pm. Though when he did call her after he finished work, Heidi didn't pick up and the phone and the call went to voicemail. Now thinking nothing of it, Shane Carey headed back to the apartment complex where he lived with his fiance and two children. He arrived at about 2.50pm in the parking lot of the complex and straight away Shane noticed that Heidi's car, a white 2012 Honda Fit, had been parked in the lot. Shane presumed Heidi and their newborn child must have been inside and headed up to their apartments. When he got to the front door, he found it to have been left unlocked. Though this hadn't been something out of the ordinary for the family, especially if somebody had already been inside the home. Shane opens the front door to the apartment and walked in, and he was met with a scene of complete regularity. Nothing was out of the ordinary, nothing was in disarray. The only thing that stood out to him was the fact that neither Heidi nor their newborn child were inside. Shane presumes that Heidi and the baby might have been visiting with another apartment in the complex, which wasn't something unusual that they might have gone to the park, he wasn't all too worried. When the afternoon progressed into the early evening, and with Heidi still nowhere to be seen, Shane realised that if Heidi didn't have her car, which was still parked in the parking lot, she wouldn't be able to go pick up their six-year-old child from his after-school activities, as she usually would. And so Shane decided to head on over to the school. He thought that maybe Heidi had got a lift there, or was with one of the other mums, and that he'd be able to meet her there, pick her up and make sure everything was okay. Shane arrived at Cohen Elementary at about 5.50pm, collected the couple's six-year-old child, and waited. Maybe Heidi had been delayed, maybe she was running late, but by the time 6pm came and went, Heidi Broussard had still not arrived to pick up their son. Now it is important to note that some accounts state that Cohen Elementary actually phoned up Shane to tell him that his six-year-old child hadn't been picked up from school yet, but later reports suggest that not to have been the case. It's unclear, but also it's not that important. Shane, after Heidi failed to show up, decided to take their six-year-old child back to the apartment thinking that maybe Heidi had returned there. But when he got back, 
Heidi and their baby was still nowhere to be seen. He settled their six-year-old child in the house and popped out to the parking lot to see if there had been any suggestion as to where Heidi had gone in her car. He cautiously approached the car and pulled on the handle of the driver's door to find the vehicle to have been left unlocked. Something that was very unusual. Shane immediately noticed Heidi's red purse within the car, which still contained her wallet. All of her personal items, cash, credit cards, debit cards, and identification had been left untouched inside the purse. Now, it is important to note that the couple's newborn child had suffered with jaundice following the birth, and so when they were discharged from the hospital, they had to supplement breast milk with formula to combat jaundice. And to Shane's horror, all of the necessities needed for looking after the newborn child had remained within the apartment or in the vehicle. The diapers, the formula, clothing, wipes, bedding, the child seat for the car, it had all just been left. And as we know, all apparent forms of financial means for Heidi had been left within her wallet, which in turn had been left in her car. There were only two items missing. Heidi's iPhone 11 and her set of keys. True panic then set in for Shane as he began to ring up his friends and family in the area, desperate to find Heidi and their newborn child, though nobody had any idea as to where they went. And so, at approximately 7.31pm, Shane called the Austin Police Department to report Heidi Broussard and their newborn baby as missing. The responding officers conducted a deliberate search of the area surrounding the apartments, contacted members of Heidi's family and friend group, conducted a reverse 911, calling over 4,000 residences in the immediate area of the apartments, and releasing the names and images of Heidi and the newborn child to the media. Though, as that December Thursday came to an end, Heidi Broussard and her baby's whereabouts remained a mystery. The following day, on Friday, December 13th, 2019, Shane Carey provided his first initial statement to Austin Police Detectives Brad Herries, and Ryan Metcalf at the Austin Police Department's South Substation. Shane was eager to cooperate, with the conversation being voluntary and recorded. Following the interview, Detective Herries began to investigate Heidi Broussard's cell phone number, which had been provided by Shane, and learned that the number had been registered to Shane and had been on the T-Mobile network. Detective Herries contacted T-Mobile, who confirms that they provided service for the number, and that the cell phone was currently showing to be on and active. The fact the cell phone was active kicked Detective Herries straight into action. The detective presented a surveillance order with an emergent addendum to the Travis County District Court Judge Jay Cockerack, who reviewed the order and approved it. This order would allow the authorities to conduct an emergency ping for Heidi Broussard's phone number, which they started at approximately 4.56pm on that December Friday. They hoped that this continuous ping would help them ascertain locational data associated with the use of Heidi's cell phone, with the data updated and sent at 15-minute intervals over the course of a 48-hour period. The following day, Saturday, December 14th, 2019, the Austin police launched a helicopter that circled the area of Heidi and Shane's apartments to aid in the search, with canine units being deployed by game wardens. It had been on that Saturday that Shane had made his first public plea for information pertaining to the whereabouts of Heidi and their newborn baby. I love you. Just please come on. <laughs> We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. 
We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. We miss you. I went to work and uh, I talked to her at 8 o'clock. And uh, so last time I talked to her, I went and picked up my son, and then she wasn't home again. So then that's whenever I just called the police. Her car, everything's at the house. Everything. The baby stuff. Everything. Nothing's gone except for her and the baby. If you see an awesome mom with the baby walking around or in a suspicious van or car or anything that looks suspicious, just please give somebody a call. Heidi's mother also spoke with the press that day and indicated that there wasn't anything wrong with Heidi leading up to her disappearance and that she couldn't think of anyone who might want to hurt her daughter. And later on that day, Shane spoke to the press again, though this time over the phone. So let's take a look at an extract from the transcript of that conversation. Quote, I don't know why anybody would ever harm or touch these two beautiful women together. She's an amazing person. She has amazing support, friends behind her. She's so personable. One of the best people I've ever met. So kind, and she does anything for her kids. One of the best mums. We're all stumped because everything's over here. The car's over here. There's no signs of struggle. There's nothing, no evidence. So we're just trying to piece it together, but there really are no pieces. I just don't see why no one heard any screens or anything out here. So we're trying to put the puzzle pieces together. I just want her to come home. She's amazing. She's missed. She has a whole family here supporting, praying for her to come home, and hopefully that's just, I don't know, somebody to bring her home safe. I don't care. Just drop her off. Now, Shane had met Heidi Broussard back in 2009, and the couple had been engaged since November of 2012. Heidi Elizabeth Broussard had been born in Lake Charles, Louisiana, on the 4th of June, 1986. And although she lived most of her life in Lake Charles, she did spend her early childhood years in Cameron, and the past four years, leading up to her disappearance in Austin. Some reports suggest that Heidi had also lived in Kyle, Texas at some point with Shane Carey, but it's unclear when that had been. But what we do know is that Heidi had graduated in 2004 from Lagrange High School and had studied to be a veterinary technician in college. You see, Heidi had a massive soft spot for animals and, at the time of her disappearance, had been applying to further her education to work as a veterinary technician, working for the past four years at Cracker Barrel to help pay the bills. Heidi was described as somebody who loved listening to music, singing and dancing, and and that her laughter brightened the day and her heart and guidance lifted countless many. Even as a child, Heidi was described as the welcoming friends, the neighbourhood's herd of kids placed together. 
She was remembered as having a servant's heart and that everyone had been her, quote, best friend, ensuring that others had what they needed. She was adventurous and willing to try anything once and had an overwhelming faith in the Lord and saw God as love. Let's take a listen to one of Heidi's friends describe her. She was super bubbly and so friendly. That girl can make a friend with a tree and just have a conversation. Like She was so... Her, her, the energy she brought to wherever she was or whoever she was with was intoxicating. Yeah, she's just, she's warm to me. She's home and, uh, you know, she has love and joy and grace and just, she's incredible. When she was younger, she had been an active member of Abundant Life Fellowship, church camp and youth camp. And it had been at church camp that Heidi, at 11 years old, had met her person, the person who would be her lifelong best friend, Megan Firamuska. They'd quickly become the best of friends after attending the Texas Bible Institute in Columbus, Texas, speaking over the phone regularly. And in 2019, in a happy coincidence, both Megan Firamuska and Heidi Broussard became pregnant at around the same time, expecting to bring their children into the world in late 2019. The best friends had even discussed the possibility of delivering on the same date. They really were each other's person and supported one another through everything. And in the early hours of the morning of Monday, November 25th, 2019, Heidi Broussard's water broke. Shane Carey and Heidi Broussard rushed to St. David's South Austin Hospital in anticipation of the childbirth. The couple were quick to tell Heidi's best friend, Megan, that Heidi had gone into labor. And when Megan heard of the wonderful news, she decided to drive from her home in Houston, Texas to South Austin. That afternoon, Shane Carey had given Megan Firamuska a key to their apartment from Heidi's keyring so that she could use their apartment as a base. Megan made it in time to be in the room when Heidi delivered her baby, who we're calling the newborn child within this coverage to protect the child's privacy. Also in the delivery room had been Shane Carey and VS, VS being one of Heidi's friends who has had their name abbreviated for the purposes of privacy protection. Megan made sure to be there for her best friend and even helped out after Heidi had been discharged from the hospital. And this love and care for her best friend only amplified after Heidi went missing. Tim Miller from EcuSearch had called up a number of Heidi's friends after she went missing, including Megan, and this is what she told him. So my first call was to uh, Megan, and she answered the phone, and I told her who I was, and she said, yeah, I've seen you on TV so many times, and just thank you for helping find my friend. And I said, well, Megan, I said, what's your heart telling you on this? And she said, Shane did it. She says, uh, I was there 10 years ago when they met. I told Heidi, stay away from this guy. He's trouble. The relationship's on and off. There's been a lot of abuse going on. Jane keeps saying, well, that baby's not even mine and stuff. She called me back in May and said that her and Shane had a terrible fight. And, and, uh, and she just went on and on and on and uh, to the point that literally probably 45 minutes later, I said, Megan, listen, I got it. I got to go. I'm getting a call on the other line. And said, Mr. Miller, thank you for what you're doing. She says, I'm going to keep talking to people and everything. If I come up with anything, is it okay if I call you? And I said, Megan, please do. Please call me. So, uh, you know, and, and here she's at the hospital with Heidi when she has a baby. Here she is after Heidi gets out at the house helping and everything. Here's a, one of the best friends. Yeah, she had like three really, really close friends and, and uh, Megan is was right there. 13 days after Heidi had given birth, on either Sunday, December 8th, 2019, or Monday, December 9th, 2019, 
almost as she had planned with Heidi, Megan gave birth to a baby girl. The best friends had been in the journey of raising their newly borns together, which only made the sudden disappearance of Heidi that much more painful for all those who knew her. By the time the afternoon of Sunday, December 15th, 2019 came around, the continuous 48-hour ping had come to an end, and it unfortunately provided no locational data for Heidi's cell phone which indicated that the phone had not been in use during that time period. That same day, Shane Carey made another emotional plea in the press. I want to tell her to uh, please come home. You know, your family's here. And she wouldn't do this. I'm not telling her this. I'm telling the sake for the family to... Uh, she has a beautiful kid. She has a beautiful family. Beautiful dog named Zeus. She uh, she, she would not do this by herself. She, she would not be doing this. This is definitely something that happened that was wrong. So anybody that could share, post, uh, do anything, one second helps to save a beautiful family, a beautiful kid. This anything you could do. Just reach out. If you don't know me, I don't care. If you see the post, if you see this news, reach out. Keep your eyes open. Just be open-minded. Anything suspicious, do anything you can to help, please. This is a, it's a three-week-old baby out there and a mom and a son that's missing her mom and family. <laughs> if you're involved, I don't care. Uh, set her to the side. She'll find her way home. Just bring her home safe or put her somewhere safe. Uh, her and the baby. <laughs> Feed the baby. She's only three weeks old. So just find a way. She won't be in trouble. Just drop her off. She has a beautiful family. <laughs> drop her off anywhere. I don't care. Just make sure she's safe and okay. The baby's okay. And then right away. I don't know what. To... I just want her home safe. It does not be here. Just drop her off somewhere safe. If it is somebody, just please come home. I love you, Heidi. On Monday, December 16th, 2019, Shane Carey's father told the press that he had set up a Facebook page the day before in an effort to raise money for a reward and for, quote, expenses incurred during the search. As news of the Facebook page was published, the FBI and Texas Rangers joined the search efforts for Heidi and her newborn child. The investigators were attempting to remain neutral and had been trying to avoid jumping to any conclusions as they explored two possible angles, the first being that Heidi Broussard had left on her own accord and the second that Heidi Broussard and her newborn child had been the victims of foul play. Investigators interviewed the neighbours in the complex where Heidi lived and completed an analysis of the apartment for any potential forensic evidence, but they couldn't find any information that could answer their questions. An interview with Shane Carey in which his father had been present by the press was also published, so Let's take a look of Shane's account of what happened. Every day, uh, we, uh, I, I wake up first because I have to go to work first. Um, and then um, I do my morning routine, do everything. They start waking up around 6.30. And so like, I start waking them up, uh, give them kisses goodbye. Uh, <laughs> I have a good day at school. And then she starts making their sandwiches. And um, so I went to work. She dropped them off at school to the book fair and um after the book fair she called me uh around eight something 
uh, on her way home from the book fair, said she spent $25. I was like, that's okay. Um, and I told her I have to go because I was on my way out. And uh, I told you I love you, bye. And uh, pretty much I worked all day till about one something. And then I got here around two. I seen her car, walked upstairs. She wasn't here and her phone was off. So I thought she just had a friend's house because a friend lives in the same complex so she might be over there with her phone off so i thought nothing of it but she was not back yet so then i went and picked up my son from um daycare and uh brought him home and she and he didn't finish his lunch so he told me to grill it for him and uh, basically then we um after a little bit i called my dad he said don't worry about it too much right now and uh when i called her friends and she hasn't heard from them her friends didn't hear from her so then i called the cops and then they came over here. I think it was around 7.30, I think. And uh, ever since then, it's just been we're trying to reach out. Just, just help. I don't know. She's a great mom. She needs to be back. The next day, on Tuesday, December 17th, 2019, Surge parties were organized that included a group who had planned to use a drone to assist in the search. Meanwhile, detectives obtained surveillance footage from any of the premises in the area around the complex as the FBI performed inspections of the cars. The investigators addressed the press that evening. Let's take a look. Good afternoon, my name is Brad Harries. I'm a detective with the Austin Police Department Violent Crimes Unit. Today I want to provide an update on the current state of our search for Heidi uh, Broussard. We have asked for the help of the FBI. The FBI is sending in the CARD team, that's the Child Abduction Response Deployment Team, here to Austin to assist with this investigation and with this search. Throughout this investigation, we've had the assistance of a number of units, both locally, statewide, and nationally, including the Austin Police Department Missing Persons Unit, the Austin Police Department Special Investigations Unit, the Texas Department of Public Safety, the Texas Rangers, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Travis County Search and Rescue Team, as well as the Texas Parks and Wildlife. Those units have continued to support us and uh, continue to support us as we move on with this investigation and our search. I want to thank the community for tips that we've received in this case. We've received numerous tips. We continue to search. We've been working continually since Thursday night. So we have an ongoing current investigation. I'm not ready to get into anyone that we have as persons of interest, to be perfectly honest with you. This case is unique in that we don't have a person of interest right now. We're exploring every avenue that we have and every possibility. And to be perfectly honest, anything is possible at this point. And we're working down every angle to try and exclude possibilities and narrow that down. And that's why we need the public's help. It's possible that, that Heidi left on their own accord. Um, it's also possible that there may be something nefarious or foul play involved. And to be honest, we don't know the answer to that question. And that's what we're continuing to work on as we speak right now. On Wednesday, December 18th, 2019, Heidi's parents spoke to the press saying, quote, It's very hard. The more you think about it, the worse it gets. She would not leave her son. Her kids are her heartbeats. Now that Wednesday, an account from one of Heidi's friends was published that began to paint a concerning picture. According to this friend, Heidi had told this friend that she wanted to move to a vacant home in Kyle, Texas that belonged to Shane Carey's father. The friend said that she had no idea that Heidi hadn't moved to the home and the friend had been surprised to hear that she'd still been living in the Austin apartment. This friend proceeded to add that Heidi had planned to drive her son 40 minutes each way to a school in Austin so that the six-year-old child could stay in school. Quote, she was willing to drive 40 minutes out of her way to have them in a better school. That's not a mother that leaves. 
I feel like everybody's focusing on her running away and knowing Heidi, I doubt that. Heidi's friend also revealed that she had been surprised when Heidi had told her over the summer that she'd gotten back together with Shane as the pair had apparently previously broken up. On top of that, the friend stated that Shane Carey's recent behaviour after Heidi had disappeared differed from how he would previously act when Shane allegedly showed up to her house almost immediately after Heidi didn't answer the phone. Quote, Why would that not scare you as a husband? I specifically remember a time Heidi was at my house and didn't answer her phone. Shane showed up to my house freaking out right after he got home. And this friend hadn't been the only person to have doubts about Shane's version of events. Well, family called us first, and then I called, talked to the detectives up in Austin, and uh, we talked several times with detectives. And uh, they said, we just don't have anything yet on the investigation. It's narrowing this thing down to an area that we think we need to search. And he asked me, he said, have you found any areas? And I said, well, I did, but I don't know if it make any sense. I said, I rode around with Shane for a long time. I, you know, I spent a good part of the day with him. And, uh, you know, we hate to go up there and spend a lot of money and burn up a bunch of resources with just shooting an arrow in the sky. Wherever it comes down, that's where you start. So we stayed in close touch. I talked to Shane almost every day. Shane was frustrated at best. He took a lot of heat. And Shane would call me and say, man, they brought me in, they polygraphed me, they kicked me seven and a half hours and stuff. And he got upset with him. He called him some names that we can't say. And he said, if I had anything to do with it, squeeze it out of me. How can I can't squeeze it out of me? And, uh, you know, and Shane was questionable in my mind. He was. And his stories weren't just quite as consistent as I thought. It also emerged that Heidi had repeatedly tried to leave Shane and had accused him of physically assaulting her. Photos taken by Heidi in March of 2019 show injuries that she had apparently sustained after Shane had attacked her in a row over her wanting to leave him. Bruises to her arms and legs can be seen in these images, which she sent to a friend. Now, something of note that Shane Carey revealed of his actions when he first realised that Heidi had been missing had been that he had walked around the apartment complex, quote, going through dumpsters to see if he could find her keys. Quote, I sat outside to see any suspicions, anything that was weird. The next morning, I sat out here for hours asking everybody if they'd seen or heard screaming anything that was off or suspicious. They're all saying no. It had been on that same December Wednesday, the 18th in 2019, then an adult female known only as M.W., contacted Detective Miralees and Detective Briegel about an encounter she had on December 12, 2019, the day Heidi and the newborn child had gone missing. MW told the detectives that on either December 12, 2019 or December 11, 2019, but she leant more towards December 12th, she had been driving through the rear of the apartment complex where Heidi and Shane had lived when she saw a four-door vehicle, which she said had been light in colour, stopped in the parking lot perpendicular to the provided parking spaces. MW explains that she saw a white adult female walk from between buildings 7 and 8 towards the vehicle carrying a small infant who had been wearing a knit cap. This witness saw a female exit the front passenger seat and greet the woman carrying the small infant, before opening the rear passenger side door of the car. The woman with the baby entered the rear passenger seat, both of the doors to the car closed, and the vehicle drove away. MW claims that there had not been enough time for the adult female to secure the infant into any type of child restraint system prior to the car driving away. MW turned from the main lane of the parking lot and 
Lasso the car driving towards the exit gate to South First. Now, Shane had previously spoken with the investigators about Heidi's circle of friends and had mentioned how Megan Furimuska had been her best friend, giving them her contact details. The police had to investigate all avenues and they learned that Megan's cell phone had been serviced by T-Mobile. That same day, intelligence analyst Ferguson of the FBI conducted what is known as open source research in connection to any social media presence for Megan. A search of Heidi's contacts on Instagram revealed an Instagram account for the user Megan Humphrey. And after intelligence analyst Ferguson obtained the records for that Instagram account via a voluntary emergency disclosure, they learned that the account had been registered using an email containing the name Megan Humphrey and that it had been active for an extended period of time with no post history. Further research into Megan Humphrey revealed at least one photo on Heidi's Facebook account of Heidi with a white female who was tagged as Megan Humphrey. And when they compared this white female with the known Texas driver's license photo of Megan for a musker, they were a match. Intelligence analyst Ferguson then proceeded to request records from Google pertaining to the email address used to create the Megan Humphrey Instagram account via another voluntary emergency disclosure. And this request revealed some concerning results. The search history showed a Google search for reasons for Amber Alerts performed on December 12th, 2019 at 10.31pm. It must be noted that to date, an official Amber Alert for the newborn child has not been released via Austin Police Departments or via the Texas Department of Public Safety. Another Google search had been made at 10.42pm for quotes Amber Alert issued Austin. And a full review of the searches performed between November November 11th, 2019 and December 18th, 2019 revealed some form of Heidi Broussard was searched at least 162 times from a device utilizing that email account. On December 14th, 2019, the Google search history showed a search for quote, bodies found in Austin, Texas. A follow-up request via voluntary emergency disclosure for any Facebook or Instagram accounts connected to the email address resulted in the identification of a Facebook account with the vanity name Megan Humphrey. And what was interesting about that Facebook account was that it had been active from 2008 all the way up until 9.09pm on December 17th, 2019, when it was terminated or deactivated, and its IP address history had resolved to T-Mobile. Shane and Shane Carey's father also provided an account from the day that Heidi gave birth to the newborn child that concerned the investigators. According to them, after the birth, multiple family members had entered the delivery room. The newborn child was first held by Heidi, then by Shane, then by VS, and then by Shane Carey's father. And immediately after Shane Carey's father was handed his grandchild, Megan interjected herself and asked to hold the newborn child as she apparently needed to leave. This surprised Shane Carey's father that his first introduction in time with his grandchild had been so rudely interrupted by a friend of Heidi's. The key that Heidi and Shane had given to Megan to get access to their apartment around the time of the birth of the newborn child could not be located and had also gone missing, even after Megan had told them that she would leave the key on the counter inside the apartment. And the fact that a heavily pregnant Megan had driven so far to a different city, stayed in the hospital no more than one hour after Heidi had given birth before returning to Heidi and Jane's apartment, where she stayed until November 27th, 2019, stuck out to the investigators. Further, 
nobody had seen any photographs of the baby girl that Megan had apparently given birth to. Video footage also emerged that had been captured on exterior cameras of a residence in the same complex as Shane and Heidi's apartment, which showed a light-coloured four-door vehicle with the outline, window placement and general appearance consistent with Megan's 2015 Nissan. Driving northbound was the rear of the apartment complex at approximately 9.05am on Thursday, December 12th, 2019 the day that Heidi and the newborn child went missing. And crucially, Heidi and Shane's apartment had been located at the rear of the complex in that same direction. The FBI uncovered the address of Megan's house and had learned that her boyfriend, Christopher Green, also resided there. Members of the FBI Behavioral Unit had been included on numerous investigative briefs and summaries related to the disappearance of Heidi and her newborn child, and they concluded that the totality of the interactions and events related to Megan Firamuska, including travelling to another city late into her pregnancy, the interaction with Shane Carey's father when he held his grandchild for the first time, the image of a vehicle consistent with the vehicle operated by Megan, and the deletion of Megan's Facebook account were analysed by FBI Behavioural Unit members, who advised the investigators that the situations and scenarios described could be indicative of a female perpetrator of child abduction. On Thursday, December 19th, 2019, MW was invited back to the police station and was presented with a photo lineup that had been prepared by Detective Miralles and that featured six images of females all of a similar complexion with no one standing out, one of which being a picture of Megan for a Muska. This lineup was presented to MW by Detective Mitchell and when MW saw the photo of Megan for a Muska, she stated that she was 60-70% to 70 sure that the photo was that of the female she had seen in the front seat of the vehicle in her account. That same day, missing poster flyers that had been put up were published on social media, and two close friends of Heidi Broussard told the press that they'd informed the authorities that Heidi wouldn't have gone off on their own. Quote, Heidi would have never left without her son. A search warrant for cold detail records associated with Megan Furumuska's cell phone number was prepared and presented to Travis County District Court Judge Yerushia, who signed the warrants. It was submitted to T-Mobile, who provided the historical locational data for the phone number associated with Megan's cell phone. This data shows the device had travelled from Houston to the Austin area on November 20. 2019, which was consistent with the statements that had placed her at the hospital for the birth of Heidi's newborn child. The data also showed the device in the Austin area on November 26, 2019 and November 27th. Supervisory Special Agent Mullen of the FBI conducted a preliminary historical analysis of the data provided by T-Mobile, and he had discovered that the device had been located in the Austin area near Heidi and Shane's apartment on December 12, 2019 the very same day that Heidi and her newborn child had disappeared. The investigators jumped into action, with FBI agents and Texas Department of Public Safety investigators conducting surveillance of Megan and Christopher Green's residence that same Thursday, December 19, 2019. The Texas Department of Public Safety deployed a helicopter for aerial observation, and the operator observed a vehicle parked in the backyard of Megan's house, between the garage and the building, parked in a manner consistent with an attempt to conceal it from public view, and that vehicle was confirmed to have been a grey 2015 Nissan Versa, the same vehicle that was registered to Megan. FBI agents reported that Christopher Green had left the residence in a black Nissan Armada SUV that day, and had driven to a Target store where he was observed shopping for baby clothes and purchasing baby formula. As Christopher Green left the Target, the Texas DPS investigators spoke with him. Christopher Green informed them that he had been in a relationship with Megan Furumuska since 2016, 
and confirms that they had lived together at Megan's house. He reveals that he and Megan had actually broken up in March of 2019, though they both had remained living in Megan's house. Christopher explains that in the spring of 2019, Megan had told him that she had been pregnant and that he noticed Megan's stomach grow during the year. He indicated that he had felt her stomach, which he described as being hard. Christopher Green states that he never saw Megan's bare stomach during the pregnancy, as their relationship during the year did not lend itself to seeing her in stages of undress, but that he believed that Megan had been pregnant with his child. Christopher Green was then shown a flyer produced by the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children that featured images of Heidi Broussard and her newborn child. When he looked at the flyer, when he looked at the picture of Heidi Broussard's newborn child on the flyer, he exclaimed, quote, that's the baby at my house. FBI agents were notified of this conversation with Christopher Green and of the purchase of baby formula. The agents and DPS investigators then watched as Megan Firamuska walked out of the front door of her house with her cell phone and a baby monitor on Thursday, December 19th, 2019. The investigators spoke with Megan Firamuska, who told them that on Thursday, December 12th, 2019, when Heidi went missing, she had left to go to the beach with her cousin while Christopher Green had stayed in the house working. When Christopher Green saw Megan next on the Friday, December 13th, 2019, she told Christopher Green, quote, Don't be mad, don't be mad. Christopher Green asked why he would be mad, to which Megan told him that there was a baby on the bed and that she had gone into labour and delivered their baby without Christopher's knowledge. Megan told the DPS investigators that she had gone into labour on Thursday, December 12, 2019, and had gone to a birthing centre in the Woodlands, a birthing centre which she couldn't remember the name of. She claimed that the only people present during the delivery had been employees of the birthing centre and that she had brought the baby home that same day on December 12th. The investigators confronted Megan about the discrepancy about her location on the date she reportedly delivered, to which Megan stated that she hadn't been in Austin that day, despite the cell phone locational records and witness accounts proving differently. Members of the FBI Behavioral Analysis Unit provided an assessment of maternal desire, specifically that mothers that have lost a pregnancy or that have falsified pregnancy can materialize the desire to have a child by taking possession of another child. Now, as we know, Shane had reported that the newborn child had suffered from jaundice when discharged from the hospital, and a physician consulted by the FBI advised that untreated severe jaundice can cause a condition called carnicterus, which is a type of brain damage. Christopher had been purchasing formula, which Shane Carey had explained was necessary to treat the newborn child's jaundice. Due to the unknown well-being and treatment of the newborn child's jaundice, which could lead to brain damage if untreated, members of the Texas Department of Public Safety approached Megan's house to check on the welfare of the newborn child. DPS troopers secured vehicles at the residence and secured the perimeter of the residence. They entered Megan's house in an attempt to ensure the safety of the newborn child, and in a swing they located a young infant child whose appearance had been consistent with that of Heidi's newborn child. Texas Ranger Gary Phillips approached the 2015 Nissan Versa that had been seen parked on the back porch of the residence a vehicle that was registered to Megan Firamuska. Now, it's important to note that Ranger Phillips had investigated numerous deceased persons and had been around numerous deceased human bodies, and through his training and experience, can readily identify the odour of decomposing flesh. Ranger Phillips smelled the immediate and unmistakable odour of decomposing flesh coming from the trunk area of the 2015 Nissan Versa. Detective Harries presented a search warrant for a search of the 2015 Nissan Versa to Judge Eurasia 
who approved it. Ranger Phillips, who had still been on the scene, was notified of the signed search warrant and subsequently executed it. And during the execution of the search warrant, Ranger Phillips discovered a human corpse in the trunk of the vehicle. The remains were that of a female with long hair that had been shoved into a black duffel bag. Megan Firamuska was arrested after the discovery of the remains, with an order to seal the arrest warrant for a period of 30 days being filed immediately. An ambulance took the newborn child to the hospital to be checked out as a precaution and, thankfully, the baby did not have any signs of injuries. The following day, on Friday, December 20th, 2019, the authorities wrapped up their investigation at Megan's house in the early hours of the morning at about 1.30am. Megan Firamuska was charged with two counts of kidnapping and one count of tampering with evidence on a human corpse with her bond being set at $600,000. These charges, though, were expected to be upgraded as the evidence against Megan was collected and processed. That morning, Megan actually appeared in court for multiple previous charges related to six traffic tickets from April 2018 that included expired registration, no driver's license on demand, driving while license invalid, failure to report change of address or name, expired driver's license and no insurance. Megan pled no contest to all six tickets and was found guilty, being fined $50 each for four of her outstanding tickets and $175 for the remaining two. The newborn child, after being discharged from the hospital after the precautionary checkups, was placed in a foster home while the investigators worked to verify possible relatives of the child. A longtime friend of both Heidi and Megan revealed that she'd been in contact with Megan every day since Heidi had gone missing speaking multiple times a day, and during those calls, she could hear a baby in the background. This friend said that Megan had told her family and friends that she had also recently given birth to a baby who she had named Luna May, but she wouldn't show anyone any pictures of her. Eerily, Heidi Broussard's car remained parked outside the apartment complex with a sticker affixed for her six-year-old child, and a shopping list visible that included socks and a stocking for her newborn child and shirts for her six-year-old child. Neighbours and friends of Heidi Broussard and Shane Carey spoke to the media that day about the family, with one neighbour to the family saying that their kids played together and that the family was as, quote, regular as you can get and happy together, calling the entire situation tragic. Another neighbour shared that he used to share cigarettes with Heidi Broussard and that she was always sweet and happy, quote, it sends a chill through my body. A nurse that works at the complex said that she used to talk to Heidi regularly on the stairs and that Heidi had always been, quote, happy and chatty. The investigators then held a press conference in which they confirmed that a baby had been recovered and that DNA testing was underway to confirm that it was the newborn child, though results could take 48 to 72 hours. Further, they said that they do believe that the body found had been that of Heidi Broussard, but they were awaiting the results of the autopsy. Finally, they said that they were not identifying the suspect arrested in this case yet, though the press had already discovered who had been arrested due to the arrest records. They reaffirmed that Shane Carey was not implicated. The Harris County Medical Examiner's Office then revealed that the body recovered had been that of Heidi Broussard, and that her cause of death was ligature strangulation, with the manner of death being ruled a homicide. It quickly became clear that Megan Firamuska had faked her own pregnancy, and officials believed that Megan Firamuska had been plotting to take the baby from Heidi leading up to the birth of the newborn child. On Saturday, December 21st, 2019, Megan Firamuska was transported from Harris County Jail back to Austin to face charges connected to Heidi's case. Friends of Megan Firamuska spoke to the press that Saturday and said that Megan had been calling people and had expressed that she'd been willing to do interviews to help find Heidi after she had gone missing. 
On Monday, December 23rd, 2019, the day before Christmas Eve, the newborn child was confirmed to have been Shane Carey's and was returned to his care. And on Tuesday, December 24th, 2019, Megan had her first appearance in front of a judge in Travis County. The arrest warrants and affidavits were then unsealed on Thursday, January 2nd, 2020, with Megan being indicted on a charge of capital murder by terror threats on Tuesday, January 28th, 2020. It was revealed that Megan had caused Heidi's death by asphyxiating her with a ligature, a leash, and her hands. Megan's bond was set at $1 million for capital murder and $100,000 on the kidnapping charges. Two years later, after the case against Megan was fully built, on Thursday, March 10th, 2022, a hearing commenced in which the defense attorneys for Megan claimed that the police didn't have a search warrant when the newborn child and Heidi's body were found at Megan's house and requested that the evidence be thrown out. During the morning's portion of the hearing, Megan's defense claimed that Texas Rangers didn't have probable cause to enter the home at 1.17pm when they did, and that the warrant that would have granted them entry wasn't issued until later that day at 8.30pm. The burden was then shifted to the state to establish if there had been probable cause to enter the home without a search warrant, with the state citing three exceptions that justified it. The first was that law enforcement isn't required to show probable cause when action is immediately necessary to protect a human life. The second was that there was an objective standard of reasonableness to enter, given the facts and circumstances of the case. And finally, the third was consent was given by someone authorized to provide consent, allowing Texas Rangers to enter the home without a warrant. The lead detective on the case explained to the court how Megan had become a person of interest after speaking with Shane Carey, who had told them that a friend of Heidi's had been pregnant at around the same time, but that there hadn't been any pictures of the baby, and that a search for Megan's Facebook page had revealed it to have been deleted, which the detective found to be unusual given the timing. The detective explains that he had gone to the hospital where Heidi's baby had been born and had spoken with the nurses and they had told him that they remembered Megan being there and wanting to hold the baby before the actual family could. The court then heard of how Texas Rangers had stopped Christopher Green who had been buying the baby products and how he had explained that he had previously been in a relationship with Megan but that they still lived together. The court heard how Megan had gone home with their newborn baby on the very same day that Heidi and her baby had gone missing in Austin. It was explained how Christopher Green confirms that the picture of the missing baby on the flyer had been the same baby that that was in Megan's house. One of the two Texas Rangers testified that they did a quote protective sweep of Megan's house to find the baby. Once the baby was found safe, he had ordered everyone to exit the home as they didn't have a search warrant. Further, the Texas Ranger stated that they had noticed the smell of a decomposing body and had traced it to the car, but didn't search or seize anything until the search warrant was obtained later that day. The court heard how it was only until after the search warrant was issued that the Rangers located the body in the trunk of the car and ordered Megan to be arrested. Detective Harris also testified that they believed the newborn baby had jaundice and that based on the information he had, the situation could be life-threatening, which was one of the reasons they didn't wait for a search warrant. On Friday, March 11th, 2022, the court continued to hear testimony before ruling on the motion to suppress evidence. The first witness from the state had been a trooper who had told the state he was coordinating with the FBI early on in the case and that he would later become the first member of law enforcement to make contacts with the newborn child. Video evidence shown by Megan's defense from an FBI surveillance plane showed that Megan Firmusca had still been in the backyard when the law enforcement had arrived. The trooper said that shortly after arriving, he hopped the fence to get access to the back of the house. He told the state that he jumped the fence because Megan requested she be allowed to go back inside to meet law enforcement in the front, instead of opening a rear gate for them, saying he was worried if she went back to the baby, 
quote, she would kill it. Quote, the reason I jumped over the fence was because there was a kidnapped baby inside the house. The next witness had been a Texas ranger who'd been the one to first make contact with Megan Firamuska as law enforcement approached the home. He was also assigned to stand with Megan between the time law enforcement made contact with her until eight hours later and someone from Austin Police Department took over. The ranger had an audio recording device on him, which recorded that roughly eight-hour-long interaction. Each law enforcement officer testified that they rescued the child and secured the property, but waited for a search warrant before commencing any search efforts. In one officer's body camera video, a Texas ranger can be heard telling other law enforcement officers, quote, Once it's clear, everybody else get the F out of the house because it is a crime scene. Megan's defense pointed out that they had started a crime scene log at 1.25pm that day and they had submitted photos to evidence that were taken in bright sunlight, though a search warrant hadn't been secured until 8.53pm and the sunset in Houston had been at 5.26pm. On Thursday, May 12, 2022, the judge denied the defense team's request and ruled that Megan Firamuska had voluntarily spoken with law enforcement at the home and had understood her rights. On January 28, 2023, it was published that it was expected that Megan Firamuska would enter a guilty plea during her next court appearance on January 31st, and in exchange for the plea agreement, Megan was expecting a sentence of 55 years in prison. Though, due to a snowstorm on Tuesday, January 31st, 2023, the hearing was moved to Thursday, February 2nd. And on that day, Megan Furumuska pleaded guilty to the murder of her best friend, Heidi Broussard. Travis County District Judge Selena Alvarenga sentenced her to 55 years in prison. Quote, it is difficult, if not impossible, to find justice for this horrendous crime. You have deprived an innocent child, an innocent baby, of the opportunity of growing up with her mother, the judge said to a tearful Megan. Quote, you have destroyed an entire family. No matter what the sentence, no matter how long, no matter how harsh, nothing can change that. Nothing can make this family whole again. Heidi's hugs were strong and full of love. Heidi's mother told the court, I still feel them now. Quotes, she loved beyond measure and she never gave up on anyone. When I think of her, which is every moment and everything I do, I ask, what would Heidi say or think? And it gives me peace. Quotes, we miss her dearly. District Attorney Jose Garza said he felt the plea bargain was appropriate and, quote, saved the family potential decades of painful post-litigation process and helped secure justice. And that brings us to the end of this case. We can only hope that Heidi Broussard's family and friends have been able to find closure in the justice served and that they are able to move forward with the memories of their loved one kept close to heart. Thank you so much for watching this episode in my true crime case series. If you want to see more episodes just like this, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and click that bell icon so you can be notified every single time I post a brand new true crime video. As as with my last video and as with every video going forward, you can find my research um, for this video and the script and everything like that uh, down in the comment section down below if you want to go take a look at that information. Thank you for the love and support um, on my videos and posts recently. I really do, really do sincerely appreciate it. And uh, I will see you next week for the next True Crime video. So uh, with all that being said, I'll see you in the next case. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 
as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done.